And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Excel Tribesman Podcast. Now, today, y'all might have heard me say it's a like I'd be having very special episodes, but today is a very special episode because I have someone that I was just telling um, Christian before we got on the podcast how, like, I grew up learning you don't have this much access to your pastor because you're supposed to have a certain fear and reverence for them. Uh, so much so that you can't access them. That means you shouldn't be able to talk to them unless you have problems and they need to help you, but like not assist them or like be their friends. That's, you don't do that. And so... I have my pastor on today, Christian Smith. Um, I have so many questions. Uh, First one, when did you know you were going to be a pastor? When did I know I was going to be a pastor? Oh, God. Um, I don't know when I knew. Um, You know, as as a kid, I admired pastors, but I didn't have any pressure from my parents to go in the ministry. And I saw myself going into the corporate sector, uh, being in in organizational executive leadership and very specific role. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wanted to be in the C-suite of a fortune 500 company casting vision, leading leaders. (laughs) That that's what I wanted to do for your life. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And but okay but then i started yeah yeah and i I started preaching in 2007 and at that point i was like okay i'm probably gonna pastor because now i'm preaching and pastoring is organizational leadership at a at a very high level when you take it seriously so i think i'll say eventually become the ceo of the fortune 500 company Wait, oh, are churches on the Fortune 500 company list? No, I wonder if they can. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, because I think you have to be for profit. But anyway, so okay. Right. But you still end up doing what you said you wanted to do. That's the crazy thing about it, Kirkland. Like a lot of the things I said I wanted to do, I still wound up doing them, but in different ways. Because I also, while I was in undergrad at Alabama A&M, I took like. Uh, telecommunications was my major. So a lot of like video production, journalism, stuff like that. And I, I really in college was like, I want to be an analyst on ESPN. Like I want to, you know, you want to be a sports analyst. Yeah. I want to be a sports analyst. You always had high level jobs for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I like what good. I like. <laughs> I mean, so good that you had such great dreams and aspirations. I mean, I did too. I just sometimes I feel like I'm a, I'm alone in that. Like since I was two, I wanted to own my own cell phone company. That's always been my dream. Oh wow! And wow! It, and I I was on my way to that. Actually, in some sort of weird way, that I got turned around with by just life and being not going the direction I wanted to, but I was making my way into like, well, I started a cell phone accessory company that was supposed to lead me 
with the finances mm-hmm. to then lead me into maybe being a like what the people at Deloitte do, uh, um, and not advisor, the um, the Consultant. people. Who, yes, I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was gonna. That was gonna be my way in the door. I yeah. wanted to be a consultant for one of the big four. Well, at the time it was four, now it's three. But I wanted to be a consultant for them, and my consultant was going to like my door. That was gonna be my entryway into eventually gaining the money and capital to own my own. That was going to be my, that was like my plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I did video production and stuff in college and decided I wanted to be on ESPN, like that dream seemed to fade away. And I just realized over the past couple of months, looking at how we record the Holy Smoke Cigars and Spirituality podcast, like, it looks a lot of like it looks a lot like what you see on ESPN when you got the different talking heads and the different boxes. Like I was like, oh shoot, I'm I'm doing what I said I wanted to do just in a different context. Instead yeah. of analyzing sports, I'm analyzing theology. Isn't it interesting how you always end up back doing the thing? It just it looked differently, and that's the the thing that was you know the thing for me is that like your dreams you always end up living out your dreams it just don't always it doesn't look how you imagined it would look because Absolutely. eventually you'll be a talking head you just will be talking about theology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right yeah, that's what so so okay so you're in college you taking uh, mass communication you want to become a analyst on espn so at what point does that dream get deferred? Because that's what we're going to call it, because it came true. But at that time, it deferred. Right. I discovered uh, coming out of undergrad that I didn't take advantage of internships and co-ops like I should have. Uh, and I, I didn't, you know, just opportunities for students to get uh, relative work experience. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just, you know, opportunities to get into an actual uh, work environment and get experience and network and make connections so that when you finish your degree, you already have a foot into certain doors. Yes, and I agree. I didn't do that in undergrad. I was a football player. Uh, my whole focus was uh, do well at football, do well in the classroom. And I sang in the gospel choir for fun. Uh, and that was it. So I didn't do any internships or any of that stuff. Uh, so I realized once I graduated, I'm not in the best position to go that route right now. And I, I, I had started my MBA. I got a job in banking and decided I would just pursue that career path until that that ended rather abruptly, too. I had never would take you for a banker. See, you learn all kinds of new stuff on this shit. I yeah. never took you as a banker. You just, I, I don't know. I, I, never, I don't got, I got banker from you. Like, you, yeah. you don't give me bank, bank manager vibes. You give me, yeah. you give me very um, C-level, A-level exec all the time. But maybe this is the new you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, well, I mean, I had aspirations once I got into banking to be CEO of the bank. So I was still going to wind up in that space. I had great opportunities my first two and a half years in banking before the recession hit. Like I was, I was getting promoted like crazy. And then the recession hit relocated from Huntsville, Alabama to Atlanta for family reasons. And Alabama. Yeah. I love that place. I can't tell you why, but I really do. Really? We'll have it's to talk weird. about that offline. Yeah. I really love that place. I've been there six times and I love wow. it. I love it because of the people there that I love. I'm a, I'm a, I only know one person there that I go well, see I, and I, but I like it. Like the city is so, it reminds me of how it felt when I first moved to Atlanta it's like mm. it's gonna be the shit and it's like right there on the cusp but yeah. it's bubbling so you could get in while all the real estate is cheap yeah it's, it's it gives me pre pre atlanta 2000 vibes yeah yeah it was just huntsville huntsville was just ranked the number one place to live in the country by some source i don't remember what the source was but all of my huntsville friends were posting it on social media because they yes, were so proud. I, yes, I remember. Um, yeah. I can't think of the, 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 was it realtor.com? I can't remember the place, but one of those, I, I saw that too. And I said, huh, I know why, because it's the cheapest real estate in the country, I believe. Oh yeah. I think it's one of the reasons. Yeah. Because I look at houses there all the time and I'm just like in Atlanta, this is like five times the price. I feel like I want to buy now and just sit on it. But yeah, that's, that's more along the reasons why I like it. Real estate. I feel like, like I said, it's, it's a very black city that's growing its way to becoming another Atlanta. Um, y'all need to drop the Hunts Vegas name though. Y'all, y'all, y'all really got to drop that name. It's I don't, only your locals call it Hunts Vegas. Like no, <laughs> so so I went to school there for college. So you know, there was a difference between the people I went to college with and the locals. And some of my classmates were locals, but I I didn't really hear my classmates referring to Huntsville as Hunts Vegas like that. Vegas. Yeah, that's hilarious to me. That's hilarious, yeah. and I I'm surprised yeah. you see it as a a black city or a, a city that's like known for having black people. I, that wasn't my well, I don't know if it's known for that. Remember, I'm a visitor, but when yeah. I go, it's maybe it's because where I go. Guy, like, it could be. It could be. It's hella black when I go, where I go, when where you I go. go. Yeah. Well, yeah, just like, just like pretty much any other city, Huntsville is definitely segregated across racial lines, you know, depending on what part of the city that you're yes. in. I, yeah. hear, I hear that very, very strongly exists there, which I don't like that part. But yeah. for that reason, I like Huntsville. So you went to college in Huntsville. Do you want to tell the people what college you went to? Because you know y'all HBCUs, y'all love. Absolutely. Y'all love, love to talk about y'all schools. Absolutely. I'm a proud two-time alum of Alabama Agricultural and Mechanical University, otherwise okay. known as a... Alabama A&M. Uh, <laughs> play some football. For me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I played some football okay. there. Did my undergrad, did my MBA there. Uh, good, good times. Those are some really, really good years at uh, Alabama A&M. Good. I went to a PWI and I have no debt. Uh -huh. 
You know, I didn't have any debt until I went to a PWI. Go figure. Oh, that's because you is that? Did you have a football scholarship? Is that why? I had a football scholarship to A and M. Yeah. Oh, we aren't all that lucky. <laughs> I was blessed. I was fortunate. Yeah. There, okay. So after the recession hit, you move. So that's what 2008, 2009, 2010, somewhere. 2009, I moved to Atlanta. Okay. Um, and you started to preach at this time, right? I started preaching in 2007. Yeah. So, you know, I was preaching 2009 recession hits. My uh, niece and nephew were in a very tight situation uh, where I felt compelled to move to Atlanta to be uh, a more significant presence in their lives. At, at that time, you know, 2009, I was 25, didn't know a whole lot about how the world works and wasn't even thinking about the fact that we were in a recession. I just thought about how many marketable skills that I had and wasn't really considering, <laughs> but I wasn't considering supply and demand. Like there just weren't jobs available. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't find anything when I moved here, I had to completely start my career all over again. Uh, but I oh. wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, I was able to, uh, be there for my niece and nephew had guardianship of them for 15 months with my ex-wife. Uh, and then, um, after, uh, I divorced my wife, my niece and nephew went back with uh, my sister, their mom. I was able to start focusing on, okay, now what am I supposed to do <laughs> with my life now that everything has started over from scratch over again. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 18 months takes you into 2010 ish. Yeah. Uh, actually, so I, I moved in 2009 before I got the kids. I got the kids in 2010, I think. And then, um, they went back to live with their mom, like mid 2011. Okay. All right. So at this point you full on, you've been preaching for multiple years at this point. Absolutely. So Absolutely. where does fashion come into this picture? Cause I don't think P square from what I know is that old of a company. So where does that, what year does this fashion come in for you? Yeah. Cause, yeah, cause you busy. It's always busy. been there. You preaching at the good, good Baptist uh, churches. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. This one, I had mm-hmm. a little itinerary before I started doing mm-hmm. all this in- inclusive ministry and affirming people that the church said I shouldn't affirm. So I, uh, I moved to Atlanta, 2009, 2011. I had a pretty cool itinerary. Um, when I was like completely single. And I mean, so 2011, after the kids went back to live with my sister and I separated divorce from my wife, then I was just, you know, I was in my whole phase for a little bit. Uh, and sometimes it's very necessary. It was a good time. It was a good time. Um, and then, uh, I was working at Delta community credit union. Like, so that's how I restarted my career. Uh, the first full-time job I got when I moved to Atlanta was a, was a teller at Delta Community Credit Union. 
And I got that job because I had been a baggage handler at Delta Airlines. So I was a ready reserve baggage handler okay, at Delta Airlines. See, see, this is why you can't judge a book by its cover. <clears throat> you know, Christian, maybe this is because how I see you now, but yeah. nothing about you tells me that you do anything where you have to pick up things. See, nothing about you says I pick up bags. Bro, let me tell you something. My nothing daddy about you looks like you get dirty. No, you have no idea. Like, so my dad my dad used to raise me in California splitting, hauling, and stacking wood on the weekends. Like I was a city kid that was raised in the country house because my dad is from the Mississippi Delta. So I'm no stranger to hard work. Like I'd rather work with my brain, but I, I, I've, I've put in, I've put in some work over the years. Yeah. So I did, I did baggage handling for, for six months, just trying to restart my career. I was a baggage handler at Delta airlines with two degrees and years of experience in banking. Uh, and I went on, did the the teller job at the credit union. Then I got promoted into the IRA department. And they were one company, weren't they? Exactly. Had the bomb flight privileges. Oh, I remember. Uh, oh, my God. I wanted that I job them. forever. I miss it so much. I'm glad they separated. I miss it so much. Like, we lost us customers, too, by the way. Because mm, we don't yeah. get to pay some more. Yep. Yep, all of that. I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad about that. But you know, mm -hmm. but uh, so when do you introduce? Because I'm trying to what what I want to figure out too is like when do you when do you realize? Because the the guy that I know and anybody that's watching this that knows you on the internet knows, like you're the you're always fashionably dressed. That's your thing because you own a custom clothier. So right. when does, when do you realize at what point in your life do you realize that you are <clears throat> like, you have this fashion Nick for fashion. So I, I knew it from a young age. Uh, I always liked fashion and I kind of, it was kind of nurtured by my parents indirectly. My mom is a seamstress. She would make outfits for us. Uh, my father took me with him to the custom shop a couple of times when he was getting custom shirts made. So I got exposed to that process at a young age when I was like barely a teenager and I like putting clothes together and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think of it as a gift or a skill. I just thought it was something that you're supposed to do. So. Oh, so you thought I, everybody was that fly. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> I thought, I thought, mm -hmm. yeah, like, you know, I, to me, style is a is a um, is art, right? And mm -hmm. I enjoy it. I enjoy getting up in the morning, putting things together, and and putting together an outfit. So when I was in undergrad, a couple of my classmates, teammates, would ask me to help them put together looks. I didn't think anything of it. It was just like, yeah, no problem. I help you out. And when I fast forward to 2013, when I was working at the credit union, I got kind of pigeonholed in this one position and they wouldn't let me out. So I knew because my father always taught me a call to preach is a call to prepare. 
So make sure you do the work to prepare for your ministry. So I knew I was going to go to seminary eventually. The fact that I got pigeonholed in this job at the credit union was like a sign to me that maybe I should start considering seminary because I know this is not my life. So mm-hmm. I, I applied to seminary, but I didn't have any money. Recession, I had moved to Atlanta, couldn't find work. I had depleted my savings. I was like, all right, Lord, I hear you. Like, I know I'm supposed to go to seminary, but I ain't got no money. So if you want me to go, you're going to have to give me that full ride, bruh. So <laughs> <laughs> that was the prayer. I got accepted to McAfee School of Theology at Mercer University, and they gave me a full ride. Here was the catch. I had to be a full-time student. And at the time in 2013, they didn't offer enough online and evening courses for me to be full-time and keep my job. And I felt more called to seminary than I did to this job in the IRA department. So I left my, I left my corporate job and went to seminary and was like, now I got to figure out how to make money. So this is where the fashion comes in because oh, like I, my God. Okay. All yeah. right. So like I, I said, I've always wanted, I, I've always, I've always loved fashion and the pocket square is my favorite accessory. So I got into a kind of a runt where I couldn't find the pocket squares. I was visualizing in my head when I would go to the store, I was like, I need something that mm-hmm. looks like this and I could see it in my head. And then I would go to the store and I'd never see in my head. I'd never seen the store what I saw in my head. So I would start going to the fabric stores and I would just look through all the textiles to find what matched up with what I saw in my head. And then I would buy mm-hmm. a little swatch of it and I would just put it in my pocket. Well, I told you earlier, my mom is a seamstress. So she mm-hmm. noticed I was doing that. And she said, why don't you let me finish off the edges on these you know, pieces of fabric that you're buying so you'll have a real pocket square and not oh, a piece of scrap fabric in your pocket. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So mom finished off the edges on one of them. And I was like, we gotta sell these. Oh, and that's it how Peace Square like started. That. Yeah. I said, we got to sell okay. these. And then Peace Square started like that day. We, we are our, um, our flagship item was a reversible pocket square. So you could wear it on either side or a mixture of the two. And we called, and that's how we came up with the name of the company, P Squared, like a pocket square, but it's squared on two sides, you know? So that's how we, we named yeah, the company. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. And it, it started from so, there and then it, it just grew. Right. Because you sell at this point, is there what is the list of what you don't sell might be shorter than what you do sell. I mean, you're far beyond pocket squares at this point. Yeah. So, so now you're in seminary starting, first of all, that's like starting two. That's like starting two jobs right there. Yeah, it is. It really in is. In seminary and then you starting a company. How are you managing this? You know, that really wasn't all that difficult because I was able to put the time into P squared that I had. Like I didn't have any pressure to make P squared something great. Uh, I just, it was something I enjoyed and something I wanted to figure it out. 
So I, honestly, it's harder to manage my life now than it was then when I started seminary and started a business with my family. It it just I just did what I needed to do. Like we we um, would go to conferences and you know exhibit and just kind of get a feel for the market, and it, it taught me a lot about who my target market is and and how to position my products um, and Come position my services. Team. Yeah, yeah, you know, we have let's, to figure it out. That's Gorilla Marketing 101. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, you learn. See, you think you know people, but you have no idea. No idea. Really don't. Okay. So, P Squared is taking off. Now, in 2018, something special happens. But I want to know. Like what created the, the, like the idea that you even needed to gather in your apartment? Like, how did that even, how did that idea even form for you to form the idea that I think I want to start my own church? Like, that's not no small task. I didn't, I didn't want to start my own church. On God, I had no desire to start my own church. So I was in seminary. And, you know, I'm trying to build P squared, trying to get my degree, keep my grades up. And I had a class called ministry with adults. And okay. one of the requirements of the course was to teach an adult Bible study for five to eight sessions. This was the spring of 2015. The church where I was currently serving as a minister did not have a a platform on which I could teach this class because they didn't have Sunday school, which was the day that I was available. And while they would have allowed me to teach Wednesday night, I had a class Wednesday night, so I couldn't teach at the church on Wednesday night. So my only option to fulfill the requirements of the class was to gather people in my apartment so I could teach this class for this assignment. So I called some friends and family, asked them to indulge me for about six weeks. We were going to, do a study through a book of the Bible. We did the book of James and they said, sure, we'll come. We did the first session at the end of the first session, because of the, uh, the teaching approach that I took and the way people responded to it. My wife said to me after everybody left, you know, you're going to have to keep this going after this assignment is over. Right. I was like, girl, you tripping. I'm trying, I'm trying to get this great and I'm about <laughs> out of here. She was like, okay, we going to see. So we did six sessions, right? With the group. And mm -hmm. at the end of the sixth session, I was like, all right, y'all, thank y'all so much. I really appreciate y'all indulging me for this project. Um, this is the end of it. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of my farewell speech and they stopped me like, Hey, whoa, no, 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 no. This ain't the end. Like we got to keep this going. We'll be back next week. What are we studying next? I said, what? And the small group never stopped. They kept meeting in our apartment every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. from 2015 to 2018 until we turned it into a public ministry called the Faith Community. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, wow. Talk about calling. That's a lot of time to be committed. 
you know, it, it, it served me well because in that time frame, between that 2015 to 2018 time frame, I became disenchanted with church. Like I didn't go to church. My small group was my church. I, mm-hmm. uh, I was a minister at a church that, um, where the pastor preached this message shortly after the Supreme court ruling about marriage equality. And mm-hmm. he basically condemned the ruling. And I was like, Oh God, like, I do not agree with him on this. And since we're having conversations about me serving in leadership in this church, I should at least let him know. I don't agree with him on this. And then we can figure out how we can navigate this together. Uh, and I, I shared it. I shared that with him. And I said very clearly, I have no desire to preach against you in your own church. I'm not going to do that. I just want to figure out how can we effectively do this where I don't, I don't also have to preach against my own convictions. And he said, he said, uh, well, if you can't get with me on this topic, then there's no place in leadership for you in this church. Ooh. So I was, I was like, okay. And I think, I don't think he realized how, how resolute I am in my convictions. So I said, mm-hmm. okay. And I left the church cause I, I didn't come there because I needed somebody to preach to me. I, I came there because I needed an opportunity to practice my, my gift and, and hone my mm-hmm. craft as a community builder and a faith leader. So when I realized there was no opportunity for me to do that there, I just stopped going. And then my small group was all I had. I didn't go to church on Sundays. Pamela and I went to brunch every Sunday and it was amazing. I mean, I'll be, what does it say? A church is where what two or more gather, right? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, it sounds like y'all was having church for three years to me. Yeah. 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 In, the, in the apartment on Thursday nights. So what about, what about what happened in 2018? That was like, I think I should like formally, like, why didn't you just continue on that? So again, uh, it wasn't something I was trying to do. A friend of yes, mine. Yes, we here. <laughs> yeah. A dear friend of mine, Adam Gray, he pastors a Circle of Faith Church in St. Petersburg, Florida. But we went to a seminary together. He mm-hmm. called me out. He called me out to, to coffee one day, which was nothing out of the ordinary. We both lived in Atlanta. We would try to get together and converse from time to time. We sat down for coffee. I thought it was a regular day. And then he said, so Christian, what the hell are you doing? I said, Mm. whoa, I said, whoa, wait a minute, chill. What do you mean? What am I doing? Like (laughs) he said, (laughs) he said, you got a whole church meeting in your apartment every Thursday and you're not doing anything with it. I was like, bro, I'm not worried about this ministry thing. I said, look, I'm trying to build my business. Like I done started this business with my family. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. Let me build my business. And then maybe I can figure out ministry after that. And then he just like ripped into me. Like he just started hitting me over the head with everything. And not like, not like beating me up or beating me down, but just like convicting me about my calling. And saying, like, you can't escape this. And he, he said to me, he said, I think one of the reasons why you're not considering moving this small group beyond your apartment is because as long as it's in your apartment, you don't have to ask anybody to help you. Ooh. 
he so said, you if you're like asking that. for help, he said, if you, if you expand it, then you got to depend on other people to help you. And I gave him every comeback I had <clears throat> and he but rebutted right, everything. Though. And then, yep, he was. And then he said, listen, you don't have to believe me. He said, have conversations with the people in your small group, ask them what they think about turning this into a church. And if they don't want to do it, then forget what I said. But if they want to do it, you should listen to them. <clears throat> I was like, cool. That's fair. I'll go Who talk to the people in the small your group. Congregation. I went and had personal conversations with the, the seven to 10 people who were in the group. And I said, you know, what did you think about this? And the, the consistent reply was, we just been waiting on you. I'm like, what? Y'all really want to start a church? (laughs) (laughs) What? Did you you say why? Why? What what are we doing this for? And, uh, (laughs) I listened and we started the church. So here we are. Wow. Okay. All right. So I don't know, maybe cause this is feels so like it feels a little like wildest dreams to me a little bit. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like it doesn't like, first of all, maybe young me is like, really living through this moment because number one, I'd never would have thought that like, there'd be a day. Like, I don't know, maybe cause I don't think about church this way in my mind, like church is an, in the oldest institution on the planet. So like the fact of hearing like a birth story sounds wild to me. Like a church was born in my day. It just, it don't yeah. seem like, um, something I could fathom, but you did you know 11 people that was in your apartment did like okay so you start a church you're growing a business when do you decide to take the church out of your apartment because you already agreed to do it but i'm pretty sure you didn't like move out of your apartment right away like what was the what was the yeah so the moment so we paused the Thursday night gatherings for the small group and replaced it with, uh, core group planning sessions. Okay. So yeah, I asked a few people to be a part of the core group to start the church and we had planning sessions for a few months to figure out what it would look like. And we established some relationships, um, and, uh, found a church that we could collaborate with. So we would have a space to gather publicly. Okay. And August 2018 is when we had our first public gathering on a Saturday afternoon at four o'clock Eastern at Northeast Baptist Church. And I think that's were... why we meet on Saturdays at 4 p.m. You know what? I'm stealing this clip. Yeah. And I'm showing it to everybody because every time I tell people I go to church on Saturdays at four o'clock, you're seven day Adventist? No. No, let me I, tell you I why. I never knew the story, but now I know. Nah, let me tell you the whole story, right? So we okay. we collaborated with this church, Northeast Baptist Church. Their congregation has Sunday morning programming. Obviously, that's what that's right. when Baptist churches, you know, have worship Sunday morning. And as a part of our collaboration, my wife and I were helping them to serve their youth ministry. So my wife and I were also doing ministry on Sunday morning with Northeast Baptist Church. Got it. So we had to figure out as the faith community, when are we going to gather? And 
I was not even considering Sunday evening. Sunday evening is not a time I want to have consistent like gathering for church. I just don't. So that was out for me. So then we looked at Saturday and said, so should we do Saturday morning? Should we do Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening? And like Saturday at four just seemed like that time where unless it's the football season, there's nothing that's generally planned for Saturday at four. That is absolutely true. Cause I think about that every time <laughs> it's time to go. I'm like, it's you either do something before or you do something after that was the thought. That was a thought. So we're you already like weaving through people's schedules. So that wouldn't be a, uh, a thing. Deterrent. Like a, yeah. A deterrent. Yeah. Good, good word. Yeah. You know, you, you got all the dollar jar words. Right? <laughs> yeah. No podcast, but that's a dollar bird. That's fine. That's all right. So okay. we, <laughs> so we, we, we knew like families with children had a lot of activities Saturday morning and sometimes they might run all day, but then for some families, they will be over by Saturday, you know, early mid afternoon. And then for people who want to go out Saturday night, they're not getting ready to go out at four. Like you're not going out Saturday night to like it no like earlier it. than seven or eight. And then some people right. are not going out till midnight. So my thing is we do it at four that give people plenty of time to still enjoy the rest of their evening. Uh, you know, we're going to meet for that like 90 minutes right there in the middle of the afternoon. And then everybody can enjoy the rest of their day. Look at that. Okay. All right. That's, that's a clarity. I didn't even know I needed because I never knew the answer to what that, the reason for that was. Um, so it's tradition at this point to me that. That's yeah. Like, so now we can't change it, even though we want to change it because it's too much traffic. Nah, I'm not married to tradition like that at all. Like I'm, I believe, okay. all right, all right, all right. I, I believe in traditions to the extent that they serve people. And if the tradition doesn't serve people anymore, then I'm cool with like getting rid of it or making a new one. Yeah. Replacing it, getting rid of it, discontinuing, okay. however we, yeah, absolutely. I'm not opposed to that. Cause you know, that, that four o'clock is getting real. It's getting real heavy, heavy, heavy on me. And that traffic is that traffic is stupid. So I I appreciate the way that you work with us. It was a no-brainer. <laughs> um, okay. So I just thought about a story that I have that I don't think I've ever publicly shared. I think I know I've shared this story, but not like to the internet. Mm. We'll share it with the internet, Kirkland. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to remember the month. I want to say this is November, October of 2019. I am, I am meeting two of my clients to take their photo at, where am I? Highland Cigar. No, we went somewhere before we went to Highland Cigar. Oh, okay. We went somewhere else that day to take photos first and then we go to Highland Cigar to take more photos. And so we're shooting. Um, by the way, I don't even know where those photos are. I need to go look for them. So when I tell the story, I'm going to take this part out of the podcast when I tell the story. So I need the photo. So I'm going to go look for it. But so we're going to take photos and we're taking photos. And then halfway to like almost finish, we're wrapping up the shoot. Um, Big Mike says, 
oh, my friend is here. And I said, mm, oh, okay, cool. So then you walk in the door. I don't know you at this time. Obviously, I never met you. Mm. And I am thinking, who, 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 who this? Papa, who, who this man? And so, um, you start talking, and maybe three words in, I don't know what it is that I'm feeling, but I'm feeling whatever. I now learn as probably anointing, but I know what that was. Mm. If you know the, if you know the 2019 me, um, if y'all watch kingdom business, God, you get on my damn nerves. Like that was right. 2019. Like yeah. I don't want nothing to do with you and your people leave me out of it. Yeah. But I feel something from you as you speak. And might I add you like you're dressed in regular clothes. Um, you are at a cigar bar. You are right. very like, F so nothing about this tells me that what you are a preacher, I just know you're talking and I'm feeling things that are associated with church and I hate it, but I'm just like, <laughs> well, okay, whatever. So you're talking and I think y'all start talking about football at once. Cause if I'm not mistaken, I think football was on, on the screen or basketball, whatever. There was a sport on TV. I don't watch sports. So there was a sporting event where people run up and down places. Okay. Next. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you're still talking and y'all, y'all get, y'all start getting engaged in, um, fashion because all three of y'all own, a custom clothier. So right. that's when I realized, oh, they were talking about you the day, but I didn't realize that were you, that was you. Okay. That they was going to meet a friend that also makes suits. So then they y'all started talking about suits, and that's where I get real lost because y'all were talking about things. I, I I still to this day don't know what they are. I think I was talking like softwares and hems and shit. I don't know nothing about. So, right. Then the conversation kind of veers back, and then you and I started talking, and then I said to you, "You a preacher?" <laughs> it just, it, I just shot it out because I kept feeling it in my spirit. Like we were there for over an hour, so I, this is bubbling up for an hour. I'm like, "You a preacher?" And then he was just like. Gave me this look where like you was like, I didn't want, I don't want to tell you, but <laughs> since you act so bluntly, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I'm a preacher at a church yeah. called the faith community. And I said, Oh shit, I don't do this Jesus stuff. That's yeah. what I said to you. And then you, you hit me back with the line that really shook me. You was just like, Oh, but I'm not a regular, like, I'm not your, like, I'm not what you think a pastor is. And then I'm just like, okay, yeah, 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 mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. So in mm -hmm. my mind, I'm, I'm doing all, I'm doing all the things to like, no, this, no, like this, whatever this is, is it possible? So mm -hmm. then I start telling you, like, I don't do church because, and then I start getting into my church hurt. 
Mm-hmm. And so, like, because I'm gay, I don't do the church. And you was like, we don't do that at my church. And then I remember you looked at me and you said, I'm not going to try to convince you to come to church. I'm just going to say, come to one of our Saturday at four meetings. Now, at this point, we weren't meeting upstairs yet. We were still meeting downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, come to one. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. And that was all you said to me. I don't even think you told me anything else about the church. I think I looked up the rest when I got <laughs> home because I was so intrigued. I was like, what is the faith community? He's lying. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, looked up, I looked up the church and I think the day that we met was our was might have been a Friday or Thursday. It was a weekday. I know it wasn't. It was a weekday. So mm-hmm. the Saturday was coming up, basically, is what I'm getting at. Um, and so I get. It's Saturday. Saturday comes. It's raining. It's pouring. It's storming. It's every reason not to go. Now, let me tell y'all where I was at 2019. I didn't have no money. And when I say no money, I don't even think, I think I had the, in order to get the $3 to buy the, I don't want to call it Metro Pass, listen, what, Martyr Card. In order to get the $3 to buy the Martyr Card, I had to transfer a bunch of dollars from, like, random accounts to make up the $3. I didn't have it. Wow. My best friend at the time, the only reason she was able to drop me off was because we had, um, she has an electric car. Um, but I doubt we had gas money. I, when I tell you I had no money. Wow. And I said to myself, it, I mean, when I tell you that you, you stayed with my spirit for days and as I hard, I mean, I came up with every excuse on the book that day to not show up. And I had every reason not to. And I just kept telling myself, no, you're not going. And then I will feel this pull be like, but you got a dollar in this account and a dollar in this account. You can put them together. Okay, then I would do it, and then something else, I'd be like, oh, look, it's raining now. I don't have to go. I mean, I literally came up with every single excuse on the book to not show up. Anyway, I decided to show up. And I've got to say, I did, I was late. I was like 20 (laughs) minutes late when I showed up. So y'all were already like in the session. You know, to this day, I can't remember what y'all preached about. And you know the reason why? Why? Because as soon as I walked in the door, I felt a calmness that I had never experienced in my life. It was like I wasn't poor anymore. Like, I didn't have no worries. Like, whatever was happening outside was... It had nothing to do with me no more. I, I don't know. I just felt different and i was just like i don't know what this shit is but he all right with me wow and 
You never told me this story. No, I, I don't think so. Wow. No, I don't think I've ever told you this story, but that's the story that I tell when people ask me, like, how I started going to church. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. You never know. You never know what somebody is thinking. You never know what somebody is processing, what they're going through in their social life. Like you have their, their, their financial life. You have no idea. I remember when I met you at the cigar lounge that first day, it was, the, it was the second time I encountered you. Cause I saw yes, you on the panel. We, I learned that I met you somewhere else. Where was that other place? Simon's oh. in Atlanta. Yes. 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 Yeah. At the, um, that up. What's it? What's the name of it? Simon's. Simon's. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I totally forgot about that. By the way, I. So I remember when I saw you at the cigar lounge on that second occasion where we actually had an opportunity to sit and and chat. I remember there was one point you were looking at me with this like perplexed look on your face, like who is this dude? Because I was, and I was like, did I say something? Because he was looking at me like. Mm, I'm just very, I'm very, I, I, people might call it territorial, but I'm very, like, protective of my space. Because That's what you should be. Actually, I don't like it a lot. <laughs> I feel like it's too much work. It's, it's all conditioning. It's like. Oh, yeah. Things I'm working through in therapy, but just, like, always feeling the need to, like, watch my surroundings like mm -hmm. i just want to be young wild and free but i can't so <laughs> that's probably why you yeah, that you i was had that face because i'm just like who are you yeah what you doing what's your motives what you want it's good to be protective of your space and your energy but at the same time you can do anything to a fault yeah and that's yeah. what it is it's too much of it yes good mm -hmm. good See, that's that's why you went to school and stuff. You know how to put <laughs> words together. Yes, that's exactly it. It's, yeah. I do too much of it. And I want to, this is me learning to trust the Lord. See, here goes like my journey because mm. now I, I enter church and I'm finding myself having to like actually exercise what people call faith. Because mm -hmm. I don't know what that is. I got faith in nobody but me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to like, allow yourself to let go and I find myself constantly in this battle between like letting go let God as people say and then I just be like mm, no no God I got that I got that mm -mm, you can't take that because it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's no it's like if I give you that then like what do I have it's almost like you when you're so conditioned to trauma when good shit start happening you just be like no, I gotta fuck it up. I gotta fuck it up. I gotta fuck yeah. it up. I don't know how, but I got to. Because that's the only way I know how to. So it's like, that's where I'm at in my life. I'm at a peaceful place. And that started with coming to church that day. Yeah. People are people are more afraid of what's unfamiliar than they are afraid of trauma and abuse. Because, like, you can be in the in a cycle of trauma for so long that it becomes familiar so when freedom presents itself, it's like a threat to what is normal. It is a it's threat. It's a threat to what? A, yeah, I it's imagine a threat to the space where you find, where you made yourself comfortable. Every time I think about freedom, 
I know exactly why some of the slaves didn't want to go with Harry and Tuffman. I know exactly why. <laughs> right. That's exactly what they were thinking. I know how to navigate Massa. You not finna get me to be free because now I got to keep looking over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. No, I know how to deal with the master I got. We good here. Yeah. What well, the I first? Totally understand that mindset. The first message I ever preached at the faith community, and the only message. No, I've preached two messages twice in the history of the faith community. This is one of the messages I preached twice. The cost of freedom. Mm. Like that was the first message I preached. I was like, look, y'all, this way we do church and faith. It's very liberating. It's, it's, it's uh, saturated in freedom. It's about loving yourself. And that's how you love God, so on and so forth. But y'all need to understand that freedom comes at a cost. It's going to cost you your community. It's going to cost you certain people in your network. Like it's going to cost you some of your comfort. Like it's going to cost anytime somebody moves from bondage to freedom, it costs them something. And if nothing else, it costs them their comfort. Oh, oh, I know. Cause it costs me everything. So mm-hmm. I understand. It's, it's, ooh, ooh. it costs me everything. It, mm-hmm. It's very expensive. Um, Ooh. Okay. All right. All right. This is not about me. (laughs) Um, so this is the part where I asked you about a, um, a famous Instagram photo. Okay. Which one are we looking at? I don't know yet. Let's see here. Let's see. We gonna roll. I wanna roll back. Look at you. Now you post too much. I, I'm having a hard time strolling. <laughs> yeah. You know, y'all y'all said I gotta be uh, Instagrammy. Yes, we want you to be Instagram past. <laughs> you know. Being a, being a small business owner... Like in this day and age, if you're not doing social media, like, what are you doing? It's, it's too, it's too much. I gotta be wear too many hats. Yeah. A lot. I can only do one thing at a time, but I'm strong. Ooh. 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 We gotta go with this one. Ooh. Cause I kind of don't remember the story, but this is my favorite photo in life. Oh, oh, your favorite photo in life. Wait a minute. Now, my favorite photos. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, can you send that to me? Yes. Can you? Because the screen is blurry. It's been blurry ever since we started recording. So I can't. I, I see like your silhouette. Oh, okay. I'm I'm blurry too. Okay. But you're blurry, but I know that's not the real screen. So I wasn't worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. Sent it. Let's see here. Ah, yes. So, what do you want to know about this picture? I want to know. Tell the people the story. I know the story. This is the only part of the only time that this is weird for me is because generally I don't know the story behind the photo, but I I do because I was there. 
but right. tell the people they weren't there. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I've been creating content for to promote P-Squared for years now. When I met you, uh, I really appreciated your work and I appreciated your energy. And uh, we, we kind of connected on that level. So I've been, what you've been doing photography for me now for what since we met actually like the day we the day met, I met you yes you took I, some I pictures creating content that day <laughs> yes you absolutely were so this particular outfit this jacket that I have on in this picture uh was a material that my wife picked out this was a oh yeah this was something where I said all right babe you pick something out of this fabric book that you want to see me in and she picked this particular jacket and uh, I pieced together the outfit to go with it. And I called you up and said, man, let's shoot something so we can uh, put this out there. And I have been using these pictures ever since. I still use them. My, it's my, it's the photo when you log on to my website. Like, I, really? Yeah. It, it I embodies every single part of like why I do what I do, why I was doing it for free, why I do it for money now. Like, it's like, see, as soon as you go to XL Shoots, it's the photo. Wow. Like, wow. I, I love it. absolutely love it. I, like, it's the composure. It's the stand. It's the headroom. It's the command in the stands. It's the half smile. It's the, like, y'all sure I don't own Pont City Market? Why y'all looking at me funny? Like, it's <laughs> everything about this photo is why I do what I do for a living. That's why I absolutely, one of my favorite photos I've ever photographed. I love um, it. So now we're going to get into the segment that I like to say this or that. Uh, it's okay. really just a podcast game. But I feel like it helps um take the conversation to a different place because it you end up learning things you just didn't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we're going to play a icebreaker game alright what's your theme song for life and why see I told you What's my theme song for life? I think my theme song for life probably changes from day to day or from week to week. Jesus. What? Uh, What's happening? Yeah, you know, because it just all depends on what mood I'm in at the moment. So I'll tell you the first song that came to mind. And I, usually it's like one of my favorite songs. So the song that came to mind first when you asked that question was uh, I'm on a new level by ASAP Ferg. Okay. I just, yeah, like that, that song ministers to me. <laughs> I feel motivated. Yeah. It's um, a very, it's a very motivational song. Yeah. Like e- even in the beginning, you know, when he goes, who, 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 I want a new level. Like, it's just, I don't know. It just does something to me. And it, 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 it inspires me to keep pushing beyond where I am. Like, and it is not even so much pushing beyond who I am. Like I got, I got to continue to tap into who I am to get to where I want to be. So it's like, I'm on a new level and I'm going to continue to always be on a new level. No, no, no level. Yes. Yeah. My level is going to continue to change. Okay. 
My theme song is always the same. It never changes. It's Moment for Life by Nicki Minaj. My, that's my theme song for life. I fly yeah. with the clouds in the skies. I am no longer trying to survive. I believe that life is a prize. But to live doesn't mean you're alive. Like that is like every single line of that song is my life. Mm-hmm. That is my theme song for life. Like when I'm hella rich and famous and, and speaking on stages and giving TED talks, that's my walkout music. Like that is my song. You you know another one that really speaks to me that um I have really paid more attention to the melody until like two days ago. Cause you know, all this, all these like audio clips for reels. And I don't know if you are familiar with the one with the chick that's singing. she's like, yes, 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 to that song yes like are yes. amazing yes. and it I, yes. I i remember her saying like something like you know creatives are ancient i've been here before that type of vibe yes like when i create yeah like all of that because i'm a creative at my at my core like i love organizational structure and everything but at my core i'm a creative i, I like to create so like i that that resonated with me that song is yeah. very, it's, it's, it feels like it takes you places. Every time I hear it. It, it does. Yes. Cause it reminds it you. It does. Like, you're going to go somewhere one day. Yeah. And people yeah. will know your name because I will be great. Yes. I absolutely love that song. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Given the choice of anyone in the world whom you would have whom you would want as a dinner guest and this person can be dead or alive. Mm. At this stage, it will be my dad. Oh yeah. My dad passed away in 2010 and I am a, I am a, I'm not a totally different person. I am a much more evolved version of myself. And you'd love for him to see you now. And I would love to talk to him about it. I would love to have a conversation about like, so dad, tell me what you think about this and tell me what you think about this and what you think about this. And let's have a conversation about this. And part of the reason would just be to confirm what I already know. And that's that my dad would be proud of me. Uh, there are a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people. There are some people who don't think my dad will be proud of me. And some of them have been bold enough to say it to me, have been bold enough to say to me directly that like, oh my God, your dad will be rolling over in his grave if he knew what you was doing. And I'm like, you don't really know him, do you? Like. I know my dad will be proud. And my mom always tells me, she's like, yeah, the people who think that don't really know your dad as well as they think they do. So it would be cool to sit down and have a conversation with him at dinner and catch up and converse with him about where I am in life and in ministry. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I don't know. 
Who would I want to have dinner with? Ooh. Ooh. I have all the questions, but I can't. Why? I can't remember his name right now. Rustin. Rustin. Bayard Rustin. Say it, say it again. Bayard Rustin. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would want to know what was it like to be gay in the 1960s and 50s and 70s? What was it like? And yeah. give me the strength. Because yeah. I need my ancestors right now. The gay ones too. Because it's yeah. hard out here. Yeah. Yeah. That that was that was a different life. You know, I, I think about it in terms of how in every generation, whatever we fight for justice wise, the generation coming after us will be able to appreciate the fruit of our labor. And I, so I think love about, that part, but I hate it because what about the, yeah, I mean, you I love it for your, for yeah. And then what you're fighting for, you won't reap the benefits of that. The people coming after you are going to reap those benefits. Nope. You won't. Yeah. And then they're going to be ungrateful. Right. <laughs> I think about that all the time. I'm like, yep. I'm I'm crawling so y'all can walk and then y'all can run. And I bet none of y'all going to give me credit for all this work I'm out here doing for y'all. But you know. Basically. Um, okay. That's why I want my coins while I'm going through the motions. Because... I, I, I don't want to spend 30 years of my life doing this only to get slapped in the face when I'm older and the young people talking about something. You're not even around thing anymore. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm a Miranda Priestley, your ass. <laughs> you know why that blue sweater you wearing from the garbage bin? That's going to be me. Try me. <laughs> you ready? You done played this whole scenario out. You are ready. <laughs> Listen, because it be happening now. Sometimes you meet kids and they just be like, you just wouldn't know anything about this. Oh. So I know that I'm twice your age now, but like, I was your age, you know, when I wasn't twice your age. And right. it wasn't that long ago. And right. I know that you think it's a long time ago, but that's because you're young. But let right. me tell you something. And then, you know, so I have these scenarios played out in my head for, yeah. for the young bucks who who going to try to, you when know. You, when you're young like that, you feel like you have an eternity ahead of you. It's like when you're a teenager, oh, man, I'm going to be here forever. Ever and ever and ever. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm, I'm 38. And, you know, I'm getting close to getting closer to the halfway point in life. And I mean, that's like based on um, expected, like how long you're expected to live. Right. But I mean, heaven forbid I could be gone next week. You know, you don't. You don't, Life is fragile. Life is fleeting. Uh, and the younger you are, the the harder it is for you to realize that. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Okay. okay. So, in closing, what I want to know is all the things you've been through in life, all the changes 
you've endured, all the new levels you've mm-hmm. already been on, what's one thing you wish someone either told you and you didn't listen or you wish they told you, period, about what exactly you were getting yourself into? So I've gone through a very significant transition in a number of relationships over the past nine months. I've had, uh, I want to say seven to nine significant relationships transition. Oh, some personal, some business, some institutional. And they were like long standing relationships <laughs> ranging anywhere from three years to my entire life. Right. There, there are some relationships where people saw signs that the relationship was going to go south because they saw how the other person acted when I wasn't around and they didn't, they didn't tell me because they didn't want to upset me. So when I discovered it for myself and ended the relationship, there will be so many people in my network who will be like, oh yeah, well I knew cause they did this and they did that and they did this. And I'd be like, why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. Like that's information that would be good for me to know. Even if I don't take any action on it immediately, like it would still be good for me to know mm-hmm. that this is who this person is behind my back. I want to be around people who speak well of me behind my back, you know, who, who stick up for me, who defend me behind my back, who don't just tell me in, in, in person, like, Oh man, you're great. You're this, you're that. But like when I'm not around, are you saying the same stuff? You know? So it would have been, I feel like it would have been helpful at people shared that information with me. Uh, and I, but I get why people didn't know because you take a risk when you yes. when you put that out there. Yes, because the person that you're sharing the information with may hold it against you. That's just not my personality. So it it pains me that so much was withheld from me. When had I been told, it probably would have saved me a lot of trouble. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. Mmm. I wonder, I wonder something. I wonder is the lesson here um, something I think about all the time, permission. You know, sometimes people don't know that they have permission to be their fullest self in your presence, meaning they don't know that they have permission to be that honest because they probably are in relationships where they can't be that honest. So they couldn't yeah. fathom what that looks like to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. We just talked about the cost of freedom. That's yeah. It's, it's sounding like that might be one of the costs. Yeah, absolutely. It's real. Okay. All right. Well, the people, I, I don't know if my platform knows you really well, but the goal is for them to know you much better now. Tell them where they can find you. If, their move the way I was moved on that beautiful yeah. Thursday afternoon. Tell them where to find. 
<laughs> we yeah, you can you can find all things Christian A Smith at christianasmith.com. So it's K R I S T I A N my middle initial A last name smith.com and from there you can get access to the faith community, which is the church that I started that uh Kirkland has been uh, such a significant part of. Also, our podcast community, Holy Smoke Cigars and Spirituality. You can also access Holy Smokes from our website, or you can go directly to holysmokesmovement.com. But at Holy Smokes, we, we deconstruct harmful theology and we build beloved community one cigar at a time. And uh, from christianasmith.com, you can also access my clothing company, P-Square Clothiers. And uh, we create distinction without distraction at P-Squared. So we make you look fly. We make you stand out without people looking at you like, what the hell does he have on? Uh, 